0: The pot. You're here with Reggie and Xavier,
1: your host, and this is Sometimes They're the Frog. Hey, what's going on? Oh, you're here with me, myself, Xavier, and my brother Reggie, and today we're honored and really. Uh, I want to acknowledge the how gracious we are to have you, Esteban, um, hailing from New York. Uh, lot, I, I, I'll let him get into just everything. I'm sort of really excited to talk to you, um, just to jump in. But um, like Reggie said, uh, what's on your mind? What's just
2: fresh? I should I don't know. Um I gotta
3: think on it a little. What's on my mind? I don't know. A lot of nothing at the same time, I guess. Um I mean I'm I guess I'm more I don't know if this is like podcast, but I'm more interested like what it's been like for you guys. You're both coming out of school right now? I am. Um Yeah.
0: I'm fucking dumb. Yeah,
3: what what's that been like? Because like, when I met you it was crazy. It was like basically like the day that you guys found out everything is like shutting down because of COVID.
0: Yeah, two days before the COVID uh
3: shutdown. So uh, it's almost uh,
0: like a year now. That's so crazy that
3: yeah. uh, it has been uh moving. It's been like, like nine long. months. I think that was March and now we're in December. Yeah. Like it's crazy.
2: Yeah,
3: I I yeah, I guess I'm I don't know, like, I I don't know what to talk about in terms of like what's been on my mind, but that's something I've been thinking about a lot. It's like, they're about to shut down indoor dining here and stuff. So like any friends of mine that work in like restaurant field, like their whole year has been like, fucked up. Or like, um, everyone I know that's in school right now, like a rough time to come out of school. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like that's some, that's stuff that's been on my mind recently, basically. Um, but yeah I don't know like what
1: so you're both in Chicago right I'm in Chicago uh Reggie's in Philly oh you're in Philly No, I'm back in Maryland now I was in Maryland
0: yeah I I I've been in the car just doing pop-ups I needed some social interaction me and Xavier are roommates and we have like not seen anybody like at all yeah (laughs) and uh my mom my mom got me she got me with the motherly affection and convinced me to come down here so Mm -hmm. i'm i'm on the east coast i'm gonna head back to chicago
3: soon though um yeah yeah you uh you want to be in chicago long term
0: uh i don't necessarily know if i want to be in chicago long term but that is like my placement right now like
3: yeah yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean that as like in a judging way. All. Oh, it's no. more Like, like I'm also, that's something I'm interested in. It's like, I don't know, like I'm from New York and I've just always lived here, but it's like, I have a lot of friends that move here and don't like it. Or like, it's just not necessarily the right place for them. I'm kind of interested in how that's changing, maybe in terms of art specifically. Like I have a lot of friends moving to Philly um, and I get it
0: yeah philly philly looks like i yeah a lot of my friends that are freshly graduated have been migrating to philly a lot of my print friends a lot of my like
2: yeah
0: folks like but also i feel like it's hard trying to figure out where you want to settle for like studio practice folks because i'm like not only am i worried about my rent i'm like where am i going to be working at yeah look like i need fucking nature like
3: (laughs) (laughs) i hate nature (laughs) i'm so not a nature person (laughs) (laughs) um akin to just the new york
1: lifestyle though yeah no totally it's like
3: i mean i guess like everyone i know that grew up here either is fully into it like i just want to be in an urban place or is like the opposite and end up moving to la usually or something like that you know like i want space i want kind of a more relaxed lifestyle i want nature i want sun I want warm weather but not like oppressively hot weather you
0: know? um yeah yeah i used to um <laughs> i used to uh they a joint for new york and i thought it was so fascinating when that nigga was like yeah i just like don't be looking up like at the stars there's nothing up there for me i'm yeah like, yeah
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no sometimes you see like one satellite and you're like oh shit there's stuff up there <laughs> um what do you guys want to talk about i'm Um, down to talk about anything
0: well xavier is about to fucking update us on this fucking alien shit that dropped today oh
3: yeah oh there's new shit there's new there's new news it's really crazy what happened i I know there's a galactic federation but i don't know anything beyond that
1: there's a cube added to the federation there's a cube there's, the floating, there's a floating cube that just is performed. Out there. All right, let me pull up this thing. I'm just going to read you this intro. A leaked Pentagon photo. This is the sun.co.uk. I don't know the credibility. Just saying, just putting that out there. i a mysterious. <laughs> this is actually, so this is actually the one from like last week that leaked but there's actually a black cube that dropped today. It sounds like <laughs> it is. Of a mysterious silver cube hovering, hovering over the Atlantic has sparked fears of possible aliens living within the ocean. The Defense Department's Unidentified Area Phenomena Task Force issued two classified intelligence position reports, one in 2018 and one last summer. The Deprefer. Report on Wednesday.
3: Wait, so is this like are the actual documents public? Yeah, this or is, is this like so leaked this. somehow.
1: Okay, so this photo I'm looking at right now is a leak of a photo they took in 2018. eight. I'm about to Google this. Yeah. It looks crazy. Like let's see what's good. It's really just Alien you know,
3: Cube. Type yeah, cube Pentagon Alien. Leaked Pentagon files contain alleged photos. I'm telling you. Now, that's
1: probably. Why are the
3: photos bit... always so bad, though?
1: Now, the videos are a little bit more compelling, but you got to realize these things... <laughs> Look, the video is, like, next level. The video, first of all, there's no, like, there's no apparent source of propulsion no gas, it doesn't emit anything, it barely makes sound, but it is super fast, it can make sharp angles at high speeds. I definitely did some research this morning. <laughs> but, yeah, and the video, there are videos, and I'm going
3: to just leave that out there. The I mean, are- I definitely think there are aliens, because um, I think, like, I don't know, the odds just seem too high that in the whole universe there could be no other intelligent life. But uh I don't believe uh that Israeli guy uh about the Galactic Federation and all that. because He's trying to sell a book. He has like a book out right now.
2: No, he's he's
1: no that's the thing.
3: Like but not I, I like top. the idea. That's not
1: though. cube talk. That's not cube talk. <laughs>
3: the
1: thing, the cube shit I believe. I mean
0: cube shit is crazy.
1: <laughs> the, cube shit. the cube shit lines up with all the hangar one shit we was watching Earth yes. Yes. Yes, that's why I'm like, bruh, they've been saying the same thing. And we keep getting evidence of the of yeah. what they're telling us they're seeing. Wait, I that's think. the thing. Are you hit to the plan? No, it's the plan. Yo.
0: So all right. So there's basically this like decade-long like uh populist adaptation plan to just get people used to talking about aliens. Um mm-hmm. And I'm not even gonna slander it. Like you should just like tap into that shit after the interview because it's just hella engaging. But Xavier, the way the plan is lining up with like just oh yeah, yeah, like showing shit and then yes, and then it makes sense, but just don't even I'm not even I'm not
3: I don't even want to like put us Well, how do you guys find out about the plan? They got this shit on (laughs) Netflix and Hulu (laughs) 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 It's crazy,
0: bro. Also, the crazy thing with all of the extraterrestrial shit, I would say paranormal shit in general, bro. The documents literally be there, and folks just
1: be like, nah. Literally. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. like, <laughs> from approved, like, uh,
3: certified officials, certified officials. Yeah. What is that? Nah, though. The it was, like, after the COVID lockdown, they put out, um, they, like, officially released, like, photos of UFOs that they're like, we don't know what these are. Like, you know, whatever. I thought that was the craziest shit, and no one cared, because, like, no, Earth is too crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Literally?
3: Yeah. They released that
0: fucking saucer video, the high-speed one. Nah. Over- yeah. At the, begin- with the beginning of this year, people talked about that shit for a day.
3: Like, yeah. <laughs> no one cared. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, dude. Until, you
1: know, like, until all of Chicago gets abducted. <laughs> then we're going to start caring and we're like oh man we should have been listening to Xavier, Esteban, and <laughs> sometimes you're the frog podcast. Esteban we got a lot of questions for you. Hi. Wait,
0: mm-hmm. wait before we jump in serious question this is what's on my mind right now do you guys ever like we're all from the east coast Esteban you're from New York Xavier from DC I'm from Maryland what's school in DC I'm gonna be specific about that because y'all know know yeah. but- Y'all ever think about the fuck some shit really go down? We getting taken out first? Like, that's the shit yeah. that I always told. I'm like, ah. As a kid, I'd be like, yo, I'm right here. I'm on the D2 next to the Capitol. There's some shit really. Good? Like, you remember, like, the bomb threats in high school where they were just stop. Yeah. the bus and think like, the White House got a box today. Yeah. The bus,
3: like. I mean, I was here for nine eleven, and, like, I think, like, after that, like, we ha- we always had mad bomb threats, and there was always, like, there was so much news about, like, terrorist scare, like, terrorists planning something for the subway, and you get kind of just accustomed to, like, uh, moving on with your day without, like, thinking about that kind of stuff. And, and then I have some friends from Israel, and they're like, yeah, life is normal over there. And, like, to me, like, growing up, like, it was, like, one of the intifadas, like, um we would read news all the time about like some bus blew up in israel and i always thought like that must be the craziest place to just live day to day and you're oh, like it's not like that pretty normal you know um but that is something i think about that's crazy it's like yeah if real shit went down like like if someone wanted to drop a nuke like new york is a good place to do it
2: like,
3: <laughs> that would be impactful
2: <laughs>
3: yeah i don't know yeah, DC
2: also. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like but that kind of shit,
3: it's real though. Like that shit has happened. Like, you know, like New York, London, Madrid, like Paris, like all these like major cities, like stuff happens. Like it's part of it's part of why we wanna live in these places, weirdly. It's like you kinda wanna be where shit is happening, but there's a downside too is like it's a target if real shit happens. You know.
0: Literally, you live in the middle of nowhere. You're dealing with what object like abductions, abduction. I did not. Yeah.
2: See
0: that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo. yeah.
3: You know what I'm you know dealing what with, like, like which is a different bag, but a whole other set of like water things situation? to fuck up your mind. I like, think it's
2: a, yeah. a
1: different threat entirely,
0: different
2: human yeah. experience.
1: About like
3: living
0: a place, like you really got to decide what you want to deal with. You're like. Not only yeah. do I want turbulent winds and warm weather, I also like You, you know, gotta deal with crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. are, are there mongooses in your backyard? Like <laughs> like what's happening? That's the craziest thing to me about all of my friends that are like uh whose families like do not like originate in the states and things be having wild dogs and shit running around. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, like, that shit is so bizarre to me. Like even when I went outside of the states, like seeing wild chickens just chasing yeah. cats, like Shit is crazy.
3: Yeah, like, yeah, I talked to friends that, like, grew up in the Caribbean, and they're like, like I'll have it, like, easy over here. Like, yeah, you don't have, like, dogs walking around and
0: shit. <laughs> you don't have murderous
1: dogs.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true.
1: But, uh, yeah. It's not something I worry about. Yeah. We got rats over here. They're pretty gross, but. Oh, yeah, y'all got them big boys. Yeah, they're huge.
0: You ever ran over a rat
1: when you skateboard?
3: Uh, not on my board, but actually I was just biking over to my studio and I ran over one. Ran um, over it rat. was dead though. Those joints are hella sturdy. Well, yeah. I've had like live ones by my apartment, like run on my shoe. Like that shit is. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you're, like you're just walking and you feel this thing. and You look down and it's like, it's big and you just like, <laughs> lick and like kick it like 10 feet. Yeah. 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 Gnarly. The rats are alright. The roaches are the worst part for me. Like, though, I I have like a phobia of them, so that makes New York rough in the summer.
0: Yeah, rightfully so. They could take you out.
2: Yeah, they live through anything. So
3: anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's that? not talk about roaches. New York oh. is dark. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's something I was like. Like. So you guys haven't really been seeing anyone. Like, what's the day to day been like? Because New York is kind of normal in a weird way. It's like dark and normal at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like people wow. are out socializing, but just everything shuts down at ten. So like after ten, it's like it feels so weird. Yes. See, it's
0: funny because that's literally like Chicago. Like my yeah, content That's Chicago
3: and
1: normal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, like I grew up traveling in New York all the time and shit. So when I moved to Chicago and the city shut down at like 10 30, 11 o'clock. Yeah. That shit made me hella uncomfortable.
3: That's so weird. Yeah, even when I was out there, actually, I like walked out at like midnight to try to find food. I'm like, there's Nothing. no one outside. Yeah. Like what's yes. good? And it's like cool for me. I'm like DC, we used to, me
1: and Reggie we used to walk middle of the night all the time and see yeah. others doing the exact same thing
2: yeah yeah they've been
3: i'm not used to it because new york like until right now it's like any time of day like any time of day any time of night like no matter where you're at like people are going to be around it's like it's like weirdly comforting to know like there's somebody within like half a block of me at any time it's really weird walking around now or biking around or something being like damn if someone want to rob me right now like it's just me and him that's it
0: Perfect. You know <laughs> literally yeah yeah okay. but we haven't really been like i mean for real for real, like all of our friends joke about this but it's very real me and xavier we just be training we just be in the house like <laughs> exercising trying yeah. to start and then just like on some mental fortitude training like we just be in the house like yo like what's the, how do we get the best outcome out of being like stuck in this drink? yeah
3: No, I I think that's a really good way to approach it. I mean, got to use this time to do something. Everyone I know that's really spiraling has been like not trying to take advantage of the time. And then if you already have depression, it just makes it even worse. And it becomes this kind of like never ending cycle. Um, It takes over. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Mental health shit is going to be a huge conversation. Like moving forward hopefully I mean it should have already been but
1: yeah I know anxiety is like on the
3: rise yeah I I have a lot of friends that like this whole like COVID situation like any kind of like mental kind of like like I feel like I'm like pretty stable like I don't have anxiety uh don't really have depression like but I have friends that like really suffer from those things and like it's just like Skyrocketed that side of like their personality, like the way that they approach uh, a pandemic. Like, all my friends with anxiety like try to flee New York or just like really try to not see anyone, and it just becomes this like really like overwhelming thing. And then all my friends with depression like they're super depressed now, like even more so. Because you know? there's like nothing to even like do, like no way to be like outgoing, and feels like all the opportunities are gone for like any kind of like window in the future
1: and to anyone listening it's not over okay there's yeah 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 for sure it's important to talk about it but it's hard but when has it not been hard it just they just you know what I mean it went from hard to very hard to put it like it's okay though because you alive not to be erasive of anybody's experience but continue no
3: but I kind of do feel like um Like, I've been working in the art world since I finished my undergrad degree, like, working for artists as, like, artist assistant and stuff. I never made, like, any money. Like, they don't pay you shit, and there's no, like, job stability at all. Like, you might come in and they're like, hey, so tomorrow's your last day because there's no more work. And so you always have to kind of, like, be like I don't know suspicious might be the wrong word but like always kind of like on point of like trying to figure out your next move ahead of time like all right I need to have options of like some other gig I could do something to like just like stay afloat and try to make things work and in a weird way it's like so now with everything being so precarious it like it doesn't feel different to me really but a lot of my friends that have had just like a stable job or a stable career it's like thrown everything crazy yeah
2: you know?
0: well that's the thing though I feel like not only are people, I guess, like people's depression, like, I guess, becoming larger because everything that's going on, like folks just don't have their distractions. And I feel like yeah. people who like really, really rely on structure and like, not even necessarily comfort, but the comfort that comes from structure. Yeah. I feel like this shit has really been challenging them, you know, to about like, I don't know, like me and Zay, you know, we grew up, skating and like making art like, and being like, we don't want jobs. So this time yeah. for a lot of us that like are, have already been in that bag is like, well, I guess I'm gonna yeah. go outside, but yeah, like, I'm gonna take it day by day. But I, I watch a lot of my friends, like you said, who like were working like real jobs, like labor intensive, mm-hmm. getting yelled at by fucking white folks, like, like <laughs> jobs, like job jobs. And, yeah, this shit sucks for them, but I don't know. It's been kind of cool watching them blossom into being more of an individual, you know?
2: Yeah. No, I
3: think this should be – it should be a moment that we kind of reevaluate all the past shit. Like, damn, like why did I want
2: uh,
3: this, this, and this out of my life? Or why did I feel like I need to maintain that stuff? Like, I know a lot of my friends, just in terms of where to live, have really been like, oh, why did I want to live in New York? Maybe I don't need to live in New York. And I'm like, it's a bummer because I don't like seeing my friends move, but at the same time, I'm like, sometimes you see someone and you're like, I don't think this is really for you. Like, maybe you shouldn't, you know, you don't need to do this. And then I think it's the same with a lot of jobs. It's like, you don't need to keep going with that career necessarily. You're not like old yet, you know? It's
1: true. A lot of
3: people
1: have, you're right. There's a rise in relocating and there's actually people move to other countries that fuck it. Like, yeah. Uh, be like in the mountains in South America or some spot in the rural Japan like just really stepping out and being like okay I don't know I feel like now I'm thinking about uh, just how maybe some philosophical expression will start to rise in more people yeah. all this time to think
3: I mean, that's something traveling got fucked up for me from COVID. That sucked. Like, that was annoying. But, you know, for the most part, it's been all right. And it I don't know. It's, it's such a weird situation. I, I feel like it affects everyone so differently. Like, the way it affects you has so much to do with, like, where you're at in your life right now. Like, even, like, how it affects different age groups. Like, my parents have been, like, locked in for, like, nine months now and i guess they're sort of cool with it but that seems so rough to me like i haven't had a day that i didn't go outside they have like days they don't go outside at all I'm like, Damn. I'm like mom you should go for a walk or something like it's okay
1: yeah the walks definitely go very
3: far
2: yeah
0: yeah not gonna hold you yeah i had to start running during covid i i was running like a lot in that like middle pocket uh, where it was yeah. kind of warm. Out. I was like, yo, I need to get outside. Ridiculous. Yeah, I
3: don't know what the next couple months are going to look like because now it's getting like cold, cold. This is going to be the darkest part of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. You're
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. talking about surge on surge. I don't even know what that means, but there's yeah. concerns for that. So it's dangerous, but we'll make it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, We'll make it. Um, Esteban. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
3: Palais, I think. Palais. Petit Palais. I can't speak French, so I don't know how it's I can't say it perfectly. But I think it's Petit Palais or Petit Palais. Long Palais. New show. It's great.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's really great. Um I guess I'll I'll just jump in. I'll just jump in. Yeah. Viewership is definitely a core theme of this hmm
3: Um what is viewership to you? Um you mean like audience? No,
1: like I guess the concept of viewership like.
3: Uh you mean in terms of I guess I'm like if you in could in terms of like kind of like a gaze, or do you mean like um like I don't know, maybe give me like an example?
1: Sort of like I'm sort of asking an, an abstract. Shit yeah, myself. yeah.
3: because um, <laughs> like, I I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. Like,
1: I guess what I'm asking is, what do you think? Non-art people. Yeah. What's their relationship to viewership? Do you think? Do you think, normies
3: think about viewership? <laughs> Not to just do it like that. Um. I mean. I mean for. I guess in terms of like the the, the petit collet, like the kind of idea of the whole show, there's been two shows, but this one is like the better version. Like I kind of see this as like, this is like the full version. It's basically that there's these busts in this museum that are like so like obvious and so like right there, but kind of get glossed over by everybody and everything in the museum more or less. Like the institution itself, puts tvs in front of them and has like the ticket desk in front of them and there's no wall label information really about them like they're kind of you know just like there but not seen and then like having just spent time in that lobby it's kind of a similar dynamic with um all the people like moving in and out like you know and I guess it's something I think about in New York just on the street I and mean, like a lot of people I think are just like really like kind of like look at things like this like there's like so like on your phone or so focused on like what you're doing right now there could be something like right there that you're just not really like you notice it but you're not like really like noticing um but you know i also don't know if that is specific to like oh an artist would notice more than other people or if it's just i think it's just personality types or something like there's one painting in the show of uh an older woman taking a photo of one of the bus. And I just I like that moment because she was like the one person I saw in the museum, like really like noticed these bus. Um but for the most part, like uh, I've been there and I've asked like security guards there also, like, yo, what do you know about these? And they're like, I don't know, I never really thought about it. You know? And I'm like, that's so weird to me. Like, these are like the weirdest like things I've ever seen. Like, like just they're they're so bizarre to me. And people just kind of don't care so much
2: yeah you
1: know. talking about these busts um yeah before you even ask that did you ever find out any more information about them
2: yeah
3: actually i did um so in the new show there's a, a letter i wrote to the petite palais um like trying to find the right balance of like kind of pressing them about like why are these busts here like why and really why is there no information about them but trying to like frame the letter in like a nicer way like you know like i guess like kill them with kindness kind of idea like yo i'm really interested in these and i'm having trouble finding any information and the subtext is like because you guys didn't make any information available um but basically they're from venice from the 17th century um And it's kind of a genre of sculpture, like, uh, I guess at the time, especially, like, Europeans were making these uh, paintings and sculptures that are supposed to be, like, moors. So they, they really just took, like, people with, like, skin tone from, like, somewhere in, like, maybe West Africa or something, and then put, like, Turkish clothing on them. Kind of, like, mashing up, like, two cultures that they kind of view as, like, the other and have had like interactions with uh, in terms of like these are foreigners, you know, uh, and maybe even like some trade with them. So, like, they know like people that don't look like them exist, and there's like a fascination with that. But then it's like, all right, these are actually two very different like uh, cultures. cultures that we're going to depict, but we're just kind of mashing them together you because know? we think it looks cool yeah yeah exactly it's just like not very thought through but then that's what's like so weird about the bus to me or so fascinating about them is like this thing that's like it's not thought through like they're these those two bus probably don't depict real people like i'm guessing i i can't say for sure but i don't think there was like a model i think they're like just kind of like uh, imagined person or two imagined people Mm -hmm. i might be wrong and hopefully the petit palais will give me some answers on that at some point but um it's kind of weird to me it's like all right this is like an imagined thing that's supposed to be real but there's a lot of care and craft put into them and then the thing that's really interesting to me is that like the two figures look really like angry but it's kind of like um it gives them kind of like agency in a weird way like i would imagine that like um if you're just a european person just depicting like the other i don't know i go back and forth all the time i'm like is it, is it more, more interesting if they're angry or more interesting if they're just like calm like i don't know but it, it gives me all these like questions and just keeps me interested like in them and, like, what was the artist thinking, like, when they were, like, making this? Like, why did they make this? Like, why did they want to, like, depict these people this way? And it's not, like, it's weird. It's, like, because of, I guess, their clothes. Like, it's it's not, like, an anger, like, if you watch, like, I don't know, fucking, like, Django Unchained. And, like, you know, there's kind of, like, oh, like, slaves would feel this way. It's not, like, a slavery thing. Like, it's not, that's not the... Um, the relationship of like Venetians to like uh, people from the Middle East or people from like uh, different African countries like you know it's it's something else but there's a huge history of colonialism so it's all this weird like weird stuff that's interesting to look at I think from an American perspective where I grew up with kind of like one understanding of like those kind of issues it really has to do with like the American South and like you know Our history, our like transatlantic slave history, but then like in Europe, it's a whole different set of issues, and they're not unrelated, but they're different, and that's like another like kind of interesting aspect to me of like that show. And even um, the Petit Palais stuff is interesting to me, even because I think American museums have a lot of the same issues, but I don't think an American museum would ever like show stuff that's so like obviously racial and have like no context for it, like no like, uh, no wall text, even like explaining like why we have this or something. Like I think American institutions are way more conscious of um, like the potential to get canceled, I guess, than like the petite play is. Like I don't think like an American museum is better but I just can't imagine them having like these really weird busts in the lobby and just kind of being like, whatever about it. Right. You know? Right. Like if anything, they'd probably just not show them at all. Yeah. They're like, we're going to get canceled. If we show this in this climate, like how there was that Philip Dustin show that was supposed to happen that they just uh, these four museums postponed. Cause they're like it's too hot right now to show these paintings with KKK guys. You know?
0: It's weird too, cause like uh, Orientalism, or just like that weird fetish of the other that, like, yeah, the the Europe, like, cause you know over here we have like a a pretty stark binary that's built on like, yeah, a power dynamic, but yeah, like, they really be like obsessed with like other <laughs> yeah. cultures on some like, yeah, we need to put them in a box so we can stay with yeah. them
2: forever. like.
3: I mean, there's a whole history too of like European fetish fetishization of like. Like Asian, everyone, like Chinese stuff, you know, like yeah, Yeah.
2: bro.
1: Taco Tuesday, bro. It's everybody, (laughs) everybody gets, yeah, yeah. White people are like, everybody's catching these hands, bro. (laughs) It's scary,
3: bro.
2: (laughs) It's it's nuts, but Um,
3: yeah, the the Petit Palais show. I mean, where it's going right now is like, I'm not really planning to do another show of that material. Um, but I, I sent them a letter and I got a letter back. And I couldn't send you guys a letter, but it was basically just, like, asking a whole bunch of questions about this bus, and then they sent a letter back saying, like, you know, we've never actually done, like, a study of these bus, like, we just, like, have them, and we know who they were donated by, and the person that donated them said that they have to be in these two locations in the museum, and then, you know, I, I guess they got donated in, like, right after the war, so, like, 46, and I guess they just installed them, and then just, like, the museum has been, like, just moving and growing like around them without like interacting with them in a weird way like that's where they sell tickets at and those bus just have to be right there and they never like thought about well maybe we'll alter you know how our commerce functions in relation to these bus they're like oh we want some tvs that give information about like the cafe and stuff and they just put those tvs like right in front of the bus like you know it's like really callous curation and they're kind of just like, oh well, these have to be here, I guess, whatever. You know, that's such a weird dynamic to me. So long term I'd like to be able to like apply pressure in, in a way that gets them to actually like recontextualize how those busts are shown I and mean, give them some kind of like space, you know, like and focus. Because I think they're really interesting. I think um you know that whole European thing of like fetishization like it's real and it exists and I, I think I you know I think they should show those busts like they have them and I think they're interesting Like the problem to me is that they're kind of like ignored but not ignored like I would prefer if they were really highlighted and there was like wall text and stuff that talks about all those issues like these are part of a genre like this is part of like a mindset that like exists in our culture and these busts kind of represent that. And we're not saying that mindset is a good thing, but it's something real, like, you know, like. I mean, I think you're definitely
1: doing that with the work. Um, even if I don't have the context of the Venetians making this work and sort yeah. of collaging us together with this other culture, yeah, um, I still, the composition is like definitely directing yeah. me to these busts, like, yeah. and I, and I, how you explain it is exactly my take. Like, I know I'm supposed to be looking at this, but yeah. I mean, I see these outlines of people, really really yeah. people, and they, they look like real people. Um, yeah. We're actually gonna be asking you about just your, like, approach to technique and mm-hmm. process and how you start making a composition. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think you're definitely doing all those things with the work.
3: Yeah, I mean, the the show's gone really well. It's it I've been feeling really lucky this year that like I had that show lined up before COVID was like something I was really thinking about or I before it even existed actually. Like this show was planned uh a year before it opened. Um and then, you know, I just got so lucky that like the show was able to actually still happen. Um, that the art market didn't like collapse completely and that the gallery didn't go out of business, um, that the gallery didn't have to close, you know, like Berlin has been a place that stayed open. Like I'm really lucky in that regard. If I, uh, if that show was supposed to be in London, it might've been more fucked up, you know? Um, and then um Yeah, I'm just, I'm just lucky. Like, you know, most of my friends have had work slow down or stop and it's been the opposite for me during COVID. So I'm blessed. And people got to see the show still. I'm sure that part's probably gotten a little fucked up. I think more people certainly would have seen it uh, if it had been last year. Without a doubt. But, But that people got to see it at all was really great. And like, at least in Europe, a lot of people have seen it, which is cool. Which is fine. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. now you're doing that
3: conversation.
1: This international yeah. conversation. International.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, that I guess that's my hope for Petit Palais stuff. Like, I don't really want to do another show of this material unless there's some kind of like if a if a museum level institution wanted to do a show, like I would do it. Um but other than that, uh, Unless there's some kind of like development in terms of like my dialogue with the Petit Filet and like, oh, like maybe we should like change it or maybe we should let like have like a Fred Wilson type artist intervention or like, you know, something like that. Um, I probably won't make much more work related to this. And kind of my thought is like, if nothing changes in the museum, then maybe I'll check in in like five years and like see what it looks like then. And it kind of just can be like an ongoing project and kind of like, uh, I I talked to um, this uh, guy who was kind of a mentor for me, Ralph Lemon, and he was saying he thought it was an interesting, um, like an interesting idea of the project is that it like can track the futility of trying to change something relatively small in an institutional setting. So it's like making all these very laborious paintings and stuff about these two busts and like, to kind of end the series, the museum could just move them. Like that's all it would really take. It's just like move them to like a more in front of, a real
2: room.
3: Move them to a real room. That's it. Um, or even maybe just like update the wall labels. Like such a s and yeah. move those TVs. Like just like really like small changes. Hmm. But he felt so pessimistic about the possibility of those things yeah. that happening. I was like, and that's he was like, so that's kind of a, an interesting like way to approach it is like just keep making them not as the only thing you do but you know every once in a while you can kind of just revisit the same material and like if that if nothing changes over the course of like 30 years that's like a really interesting thing to track it's like it would be so easy to change this and there's so much friction
2: to doing that especially
3: then, the, wall um, part. the wall label part is yeah is- i mean that's nuts
0: is so because i mean context is literally the only thing that separates what we do studio practice wise from like craftsmanship like it's the context as to which like you could even throw up a hypothetical because museums be in the hypothetical now they'd be like
3: (laughs) i wouldn't even be mad about it like i'd be like maybe there isn't like real documentation about where these came from but something that pissed me off that like I kind of tried to get at in the letter is like the wall label has information on it that's wrong. Also, like they have information on these busts on their website, and it doesn't line up with what's on the actual wall label in the museum. Like the wall label in the museum, it says uh, bust of an African uh, artist, unknown, uh, colored marble. Um, I hate to see it. 19th century question mark. So they're like, we think it's from the 19th century, and then you go on the website, and it's like. These are from the School of Venice, and they're from the 17th century. So, like, there's information that at some point they have learned or found or something about these, and they never even, like, updated the actual wall label in the museum. Like, it's just, like, beyond lazy, which is crazy to me. And, And that's kind of the cool thing about contemporary art world is, like, so I can get out of school and make these paintings that are like good paintings. And if they get like seen by enough people that have like real influence, like it can ultimately like put pressure on the museum of like, damn, this is embarrassing, you
2: know?
1: Which the, your your teacher's take um, is like really, yeah. I was like, how, yeah. it, I mean, it, cause it, in a weird way, I don't, I'm sure this is like not his intention, but I felt like that almost undermines the work that you're doing like no it's not yeah
3: it's the wrong no well i think he's i mean you kind of have to know him like that is so like the way he would think about something and like he's also from a different generation you know um so i i think i mean it probably like i'm sure it makes sense
2: i get it i think like i I think like
3: yeah it's nuanced and i think like it's uh there's an argument to be made for both sides like i think like his generation, like coming up in like maybe the eighties and nineties, there's probably really no way to like force a museum to change something in that regard, or maybe not no way, but I think it's a lot easier now because we have like Twitter and Instagram that's like really like if you look at things that have happened in museums, like public opinion is really driving a lot of the ways that museums are operating
1: right now. Even some artists, not to,
3: not yeah. to anybody down. Yeah, but, yeah. no, yeah. that's true like it's real and and it's especially in relation to race like museums are really scared of like getting canceled um to the point where like the natural history museum is like we'll take down this giant ass sculpture of teddy roosevelt that's in front of our museum because people are mad about it so in that regard like i don't see why it's impossible for the Petit Palais to like update a wall label and move two sculptures like it's not that big a request um but uh, you know. At the same time, like they don't have to do anything, like you know, and it's a pain in the ass, and they might not be interested in doing that, and you know, they might want to honor their agreement from 1945 of oh we'll keep these buses where they are, like you know, there's there's all these different aspects to it, and I guess I'm trying to approach all of this pretty open-minded, but still like I have my opinion of what should happen, like. And it's kind of, you know, the situation that's been set up, it's like a win-win for me. Like, I think these both should get moved. If they never move them, every once in a while, I'll probably, like, keep going back and keep photographing shit and, like, keep making work and just, like, keep it, like, just kind of, like, stay on their neck, like, forever, you know? And, like, that benefits me. Like, you know? it's 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 such a weird thing to me to think that like they wouldn't want to just do the right thing with work that's genuinely interesting uh and should be shown in a more like focused way but so far it seems like that's really not how they're thinking like it's weird to me to think that there would be a museum at all that would have stuff in their collection and not just in their collection, but like, these are literally like the first two things you see when you walk in the museum, like it's in the lobby. This is like the image of the museum and you'd have no like historical information about them. Like that's bizarre. That's like, the Whitney wouldn't do that. You know, like the Whitney wouldn't have something in their collection and just show it in the lobby. And if you ask one of the docents about it, they're like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what this is, you know? It's, it's really weird
0: well it definitely speaks to their history i mean like not to, to say that any museum is doing things different than another museum but i think yeah. there's yeah. a difference from some shit that starts as a mystery box and people just collecting yeah. things that of interest to them than yeah. somebody's literal collection that's being mm-hmm. guess, sculpted around
3: yeah yeah and i mean it they are in like a kind of hard position. Like I can sympathize with them in that regard of like, if you're the director of the Petit Palais now, you weren't there in 1945. So you're like coming into this institution that has like things set up that now we look at different. Um, But you know, that's the job of the museum is to like continually update and kind of like speak to contemporary culture, but about things of the past sometimes. So like, to have a like the, i guess the, the part that's so like weird to me is like they could approach those two busts in from such a different angle that would make it like really interesting like if they really highlighted that like colonialism decolonization like these are things people are really interested in right now and you know like that museum is kind of like an old school like b level museum like if they really kind of like highlighted those busts and like crafted like a way to talk about them that engages with contemporary politics, like that could be a really good look for the Petit Palais as a museum. Because as it stands now, like they just, most of the museum was just kind of like old, kind of boring European stuff. you know? Um, so it's, it's just
2: strange.
0: I'm curious, um, earlier you touched on, I guess, mindfulness is what i'm going to simplify it to but mm-hmm. just approaching an object or approaching like observation like acutely i guess and i'm curious about like your training as a painter and like i feel like i mean we all have the knowledge that to a certain extent painting is more about seeing and the craft comes in mm-hmm. through like practice and muscle memory for the most part. Yeah. and like just I- that acute observation to observation to breaking things down noticing like small variations and shit and even like the fact that you implement the grid which is like so specific to that hyper realist aesthetic that you're tapping into and i'm wondering how that affects not only i guess you consciously when you're viewing things and spaces and not just the petite palais but also just like you out in the world roaming and collecting inspiration but also like How does that like type of intimate observation or critical observation, I guess, challenge you in the studio sense? Cause to a certain extent, you know, like you're definitely challenging the museum, you're engaging in this conversation, you're making beautiful paintings, but you're still your own capital and you're still Mm -hmm. noticing things like, you're hip to your finesse, you know, areas to where you could, you know, put a little turpentine here, a little,
3: So here, and I'm. Wait, can yeah. you can you still hear me? Right, I had to yeah. take one headphone out because it that. Okay. Um. Wait, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Wait,
0: can you say the last part again? Yeah, just basically like, how does your training as a painter and like having that acute observation to break down things affect like the way you know you observe
3: things in the world? Um. Honestly, I feel like a lot of the way that like I've been making these paintings and. You know, a lot of stuff I want to make moving forward that's unrelated to the Petit Palais. I just, um, all, a lot of times I have a camera with me and I like shoot photos of anything I think is interesting. And I just have a ton of photos. Um, And then, you know, like if I find one that just has like something about it, like then I can go back and kind of like try to think about how to expand something. But like the Petit Palais really came out of like I just went to Paris with my parents on vacation. Um. And we just went to the museum because we just go to museums. That's like something that we just do. And I just saw that bus there and shot a photo and then thought about it for like two years before like going back to Paris and like really like let me like go there and really spend time in the lobby and like see if what I saw initially is like accurate, you know. Um, And it expanded into this whole project. Um, But you know, that, like, that, the type of observation, I guess I do, really probably comes out of skateboarding to a big extent, um, because I grew up making skate videos, and, like, still do, and I think a lot of what we do in skating is kind of, like, find a spot. It's the same thing. Right I, there, but you just yeah. not see it that way unless you're looking for it that way, and, and even, like, kind of, like, say, like, Supreme videos and stuff, like, all this stuff that, he, all the, like people on the street he notices like some like subtle like thing they're doing that's just like kind of weird like that kind of way of seeing I think has a lot to it's like part of skate culture or at least like skate video culture so I think that's probably where a lot of that definitely street skating yeah yeah exactly well yeah I'm like here like when I was growing up in New York like we didn't have uh any skate parks really like, we would skate at like Tompkins Square Park, but like, street skating is really like what we did. And so, like, people of my age still like mostly street skate. Um, cause the skate park culture here is like kind of like newer. Like, it's like, um, like we're too, we grew up at the wrong time for it. But like, I kind of like that. Like, I like street skating. I don't really like going to a skate park. Um, I have like no relationship to it almost, you know? I just get bored, for real, for real, for yeah. me. Like I yeah. mean,
0: the, the ground is smooth. That's cool. Yeah.
3: But even like street skate, like all right, <laughs> so like we have a place, Tompkins Square Park here. That's like, um, it's just like a baseball field, but it's asphalt. It's not um, it's not grass because we're in New York, you know.
2: Um, okay. so it's
3: just smooth ground with, like benches that people can sit on like in the dugout and people have just been skating there for like 30 40 years and it's like a famous skate spot just cuz it's right in the middle of the East Village and it's just a place that you don't get kicked out by the police and you can just like skate flat and like bring like random like junk you find on the street there to skate but like the thing that's dope about it and the thing that like I think like the reason I gravitated towards it so much when I was like 15 and then like stayed just going there all the time it's like you're right in the east village and there'd be all these like art people go there and like that park has a huge history like there were riots there in the 80s because the police tried to kick out all the homeless people that lived there like it's like really like a significant public space and so when you spend time there just skating like part of the fun of it actually is like you'll see a junkie like doing some weird shit you'll see like some like weird like street performer come in and like it's just like you see people doing weird shit and you kind of get accustomed to like people watching and like looking for just like weird things that people do on the street as part of your relationship to skateboarding like I think it's kind of like a particularly maybe not just a New York thing but like an urban thing that like you don't see so much in like California skating where it's like you can be more secluded in like where you go to skate like oh we're going to go to this schoolyard and it's just us here new york shit it's like there's five million people and somebody might be doing something weird and interesting and you kind of notice that and focus on that or, sorry so that was kind of a roundabout question you know? no, no 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 was- oh oh and then i guess in painting um i don't know i've just always like painted like that's just like a, a format that i'm good at using and. Um, it just works for me um so the grid the reason for the grid is um that's something i learned when i was working for artists like especially like i i used to make a lot of paintings for other artists so they'll give you like an image and be like this is what i want the painting to be you make it cuz technically you're like better technically at painting than me and the way that you do it like this is how like jeff koons paintings get made is you can either project the image or you can like grid it out and the thing about like projecting an image is um, it has, it's like, it'll be a really fuzzy image and you can kind of just like see the line work when something's projected, like you can tell it was projected. Um, So a lot of like photo realist paintings, like they'll actually like grid it out and then you have your like image you're drawing from also grid it out and that grid, you know, there's a ratio to the grid. um. And my paintings, that's, the um, it's just like the whole painting is just like showing that process of making a painting that way. I'm just leaving the process open is all. Like most paintings that are made that way, they do every step of it to the point where it just looks like a photo and you don't see all that like labor under it. And these ones, I feel like they just work better if you just The only part that all the labor is done on is the bust because the bust is the only thing that really matters the rest is kind of like it's there and it's important to the story but it's not like what I want to focus on what I want the viewer to focus on is the bust and then look at the rest of it and be like you know that there's a weird friction between like seeing that bust as like such a visible thing in the painting like from far away that's all you'd notice and then like when you look at the painting being like oh but there's actually all these people standing around in front of it and there's this like tv in front of it there's all this stuff in front of it and it that visual notion is reversed in the way it's painted you
2: know word
0: yeah i was just super curious about that just because i know like just actually let me say this before me and xavier talk a lot about how like your interests or this the things that you do kind of like create your perspective, not just like conceptual mm-hmm. perspective, but literally the way that you see and in intake information.
2: Yeah.
0: And skateboarding, painting, like woodworking. I think about yeah. all like any shit where you're building shit for yourself. I think yeah you build this relationship to breaking things down mentally and then like taking them home and drawing yeah. them down or whatever. And, like, what's interesting about your work is that it's a part of this, like, new generation of artists that are just kind of, like, I mean, and we're probably included in this as well. Like, all of us, we're like, no, you need to see my hand. Like, I'm I'm Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah I mean, that's that's just what I've always been interested in. Like, I don't know. I, like, I took a lot of, I used to, I've probably been drawing since I was, like, four. And then, like, painting since I was, like, I don't know. like. 10 or 12 or something like um, I would like I went when I was in preschool like the preschool teacher suggested my mom get me like um, a little like white board with markers and she got me one and I just was really into it like like drawing has just always been something I was really into and I was really lucky to have parents that were really supportive of that so they sent me to a school that had like specifically a really good art program because it was like oh this kid is really interested in drawing and for his age he's really talented at it like we should try to like keep that going Um, so the technical side of drawing and painting like that's always been something that I've uh, put a lot of hours into and taking classes on and also like drawn like comic books since I was a kid and just was always into And then, but like the the way of seeing, I think really developed a lot from skating. And then also when I was an undergrad, I did a lot of printmaking and like in printmaking, you have to kind of like have an idea of what you want your final image to look like and then break it down into steps and like plan out your steps. Like if you like, say you're making an etching, like you have to know that you're going to put a ground on it and then know maybe where you want to remove the ground before you put the ground on it. Like you have to plan everything in the image making. And I think that informs a lot of the way that I make stuff. Cause then I have a lot of like painter friends who are really just painters. Like they don't draw, they don't print, like they just like work with paint and that's their relationship to it. And the way they make images is so different than me. Like it's a very like adding on process, like Oh, I'll just like put this and this and a lot more experimental than what I do.
0: The direct painters are on a, a whole different wavelength, okay? Yeah, so it's a whole
3: like, different wavelength.
1: They're, they're talking about something else. <laughs> they're,
3: they're talking about something else.
1: Literally, they're trying to document. They, they're trying to document what's going on right now. Literally,
2: yeah, to yeah about, exactly.
3: Um,
1: the impressionists.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's not hate on that, no, wave that thing. Nah, it's nah, like that, fascinating nah. to me, but it's just. It's so far away from how I think about this stuff. Like, all these paintings is like, I have a photograph that I might, you know, change it up in Photoshop or something, or might want to go back and re photograph it. But, like, all this stuff that I make is pretty documentary. And I think that even has to do with skateboarding, of like, I'm going to go out with this camera and my friends, and we're going to just, like, see what happens. And really where it becomes like art is in the editing process, you know, of like deciding like what to show and what not to show and when to show it and how to show it.
1: Have you done any uh, plein air
3: paintings at all? Um, I have. Uh, I used to do a lot more of that, like really when I was an undergrad, I think I experimented a lot more and like not just undergrad, but also like post undergrad for a couple of years. And that was when I was starting to work for different artists. Um, but now i feel pretty honed into like my process of making work and um i'm lucky to have opportunities right now to show the work and i'm trying to take advantage of those opportunities and i guess where i'm at right now with my practice is like i did two shows that were pretty successful with like this type of material i have a lot of other stuff i want to make and a lot of it is um Different content, you know, Um, and even different forms, some of it. Uh, So I feel like I have just like a backlog of like really like photographs to make work from and like kind of like the same way this show came together is really like I made one painting. And then you start to think, well, okay, maybe I could put these two things with it. Maybe there should be a marble floor that goes with it. Maybe there should be a video that goes with it. Maybe there should be a letter that goes with it. It kind of like blossoms into like a bigger thing than just a painting. And that's what I want to do with a couple other things. I feel like I have like two to three like different bodies of work I could make unrelated to this. Um, And the challenge right now is like trying to balance... um, you know if you start like showing a lot it becomes almost like you have to like say no to showing any more of these things that are going well but you don't want to get typecast and i feel like that's where i'm at right now with this it's like if i did another petit pelet show and another one it'll be just like well that's what you do and it's like i want my next show in new york to be completely different content um And hopefully I'll have a show in New York in, like, 2022. That's what I'm kind of, like, how I'm thinking about it now. It's like, this year is kind of, this coming year, the first half of it is mapped out It's like, two group shows. And I know what I'm making for those. And one of the things is kind of related to the Petit Palais. And one of the things is completely unrelated. And then I want to take the second half of 2021 to start developing, like, a full body of work of uh, some other shit that hopefully will turn into a show in New York in like 2022. So um, let's Sorry, that was That was a mad roundabout. Oh, <laughs> no,
0: right I mean, <laughs> we, we
3: have these like
1: tangented or even just sort of more pools of soup conversations all
2: the
1: time like yeah it's kind
0: of- <laughs> and i will say this like off the record since like zay is gonna like he gonna edit this shit
2: or yeah. this
0: shit. i don't know who who, wanted, which one of us is gonna edit it yet but yo there's not a lot of opportunities to really express like a tangent and like you know real thoughts are formed in contrast
2: yeah so yeah
1: live your truth bruh. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, I wanted to ask about your piece Planus and reception About what? Your piece is Planus and.
3: Oh yeah.
1: Reception. I hope I'm pronouncing. I hope that's coming through.
3: I I don't even know how to pronounce really. it. I the names for the paintings. I just uh have, like, a, a word that I find in one of the television monitors usually, or if it's something like flanus means, like, um, I think it means, like, pedestrian. Yeah. Like, I a Google visitor, you fine. know? Like, so I'll just, it like, Google sense. it. Makes sense. Or ask somebody that knows French, like, hey, does this make sense? But that one and uh, reception
1: are definitely my favorite. Yeah. That are like
3: how did you catch that lady like
1: that's really crazy
2: um
3: well that painting is a little weird um because it it references a richter painting that i really like that's of his uh daughter in his studio and she's kind of you're talking about the one of the ladies like from behind Yeah. yeah yeah that the composition of that is like completely taken from this richter painting of his daughter and she's wearing this like sweater that has red roses on it um and it's her from behind standing, sitting in front of one of his paintings uh, it's like a really famous richter painting yeah right?
1: I, I know this one.
2: yeah
3: um i uh i saw Daddy. that lady uh yeah and then i saw that lady uh at the museum taking a photo like in almost the same pose um and i shot a photo of her um and th- you know that's kind of a weird part about all the work too is it's like it's it's like there's not like consent in that way which I think is uh complicated um but so I shot a photo of her um and then like kind of tweaked it on photoshop to like line up kind of with the Richter painting because I thought it was like an interesting like Historical echoing the way that I like everything the, the motif of the Richter painting is like you're looking at somebody looking at an artwork and the artwork is kind of like off off camera or out of the frame um, and I thought that made so much sense for this body of work of like looking at someone looking and she was like the one person that's like really like engaging with like Weird. the central figure and you just see the um, yeah on the phone the bust on the phone um that was the most uh popular painting in the show for sure yeah no, that i was happy with how that one came out but that you know a lot of that painting too was just like i really love that richter painting and kind of wanted to make my own version of it um like that's like probably my favorite painter like i really respect him a lot and uh i think you know it was funny talking to all these german people about it too because he's german super famous like yeah it was just like funny the way people reacted to it like they thought it was like there's one lady said she kind of thought it was like mad american to do this like you know like like almost like a like damn you really like gonna like make your own richter like (laughs) you know like i'm like i don't know like it's not a diss or anything it's like no i definitely get it and i'm
1: definitely like more I can, I definitely have been in the mindset of like, oh, let me pay tribute to somebody. But yeah. then I definitely have also met others, like international students, for like, I, I know, I know that, that vibe. Yeah. Why would I do that? Like, I need yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah. I don't but know. I think that
2: like, one, that one really?
3: worked. Oh, what? Oh, I'm no, sorry. sorry. Oh, I was just <laughs> saying, that one worked because it wasn't like, hmm. you know, it's like, it's it's obviously like supposed to be referencing the Richter painting. It's not right. like, you know it's not like uh, copycatting and trying to be like this is my shit like the point of it is that it follows that same motif but like the artwork being depicted like the Richter one she's in front of a plain gray canvas like it's just gray paint on a canvas it's like the most like painting about painting like painting not about race about politics about real life like none of that and like this painting is a woman standing in front of a depiction of another woman, but, like, of, like, wildly different racial background, cultural background, and, like, standing in front of, like, a depiction of somebody. Like, it's, like, a whole different relationship to, like, the gaze and, like, the way of looking at art.
0: That's the thing that's so, like, wild about, I guess, painting. Like, I was, so, when I spent some time in Italy on, like, a landscape painting, like, Mm -hmm. study abroad situation, and the thing that I found most fascinating was, like, I'm in art school definitely but like painters as far as like tapping into your family tree of painting tapping into Mm -hmm. what inspires you like that shit is a part of the culture like repainting paintings is a part of the culture and I feel like lots of other studio practice folks are not recreating other people like I know painters who spend more time recreating and doing studies than they do making I mean not their work but making you know
3: I used to work with a guy who, like, he makes his own paintings, but at least half the paintings he makes are just, like, copies of old master paintings. And honestly, I think he's kind of crazy for that, but, like, I get it to an extent, like, um, and something I think is cool about painting is, like, there's a history that I think every painter sees themselves as like potentially part of this like lineage of painting or like at least we like want to be whether it's like continuing a tradition or breaking a tradition but in some way there's like a relationship to like the history of painting that's come before you so sometimes it's cool to make a painting that like references that and kind of like shows what you're thinking about and like who you look at and like you know i mean that's definitely stuff. a big reason why i
1: even do it i'm like Y'all are tight. I think I could do be better though.
3: I think I
2: could do it better though. Yeah. I mean, it's so like
3: music I, too. Like music builds on and like film, like all those creative fields. Like you're building on what came before you, but obviously you want to be better than the people that came before you. Even if you really respect them, mm-hmm. it's competitive still. Literally. It should be competitive. Well, that's that
0: like weird capitalist residue where people are like, how are you specifically going to make money?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah yeah and I mean I'm a victim of our capitalist system um but you know it's yeah I don't know it's it's all uh I don't know I I lost my train of thought um I'm glad I'm glad you liked that painting and and people did um really gravitate towards it which I was happy about um because that was the one in the show that was probably the most uh, different than the rest.
1: It definitely has an effect,
3: but the reception
1: yeah. joint, that one is the that the
3: is that the the diptych
1: one. I forget like which is which. Um, the, the joint with uh, like on the counter. There's the bus on the, on the counter, counter, and there's like people
3: gathering. Is that the one with the? There's like like five ladies in jackets, kind of in front of the. Go. Think so. Yeah, I yeah yeah. Those two are, um, there were two that depict like the female bust kind of in the lobby. One is like has like a super kind of macro view of the whole lobby, and then yeah. one had like just the table with like this whole set of women in front of it that all had like the same type of jacket on, and then just like the bust is like right there. Um, it's... I mean, I was really happy with how this show came out in general. Like, I felt like compared to the first version of it that I did in new york each painting kind of told its own story more in this one like the the first time i showed this like series of work all the paintings kind of said the same thing and this one it's like every painting kind of has its own little like perspective on this like situation um which i thought was better and it was just cool to get to do it at this gallery cuz tanya has a beautiful space that has like architecture kind of even like worked well with the show. Like there's these kind of like arches in the ceiling,
2: Mm -hmm. like
3: feel like they're coming out of the paintings. And um, and it was cool to get to do like wall to wall marble floor throughout the whole gallery. The only part that sucked was I didn't, I haven't gotten to see the show like in person. You know, I never will. So that's kind of a weird.
1: Yeah. It's definitely weird trying to operate as artists in crazy world, crazy times. Yeah. In uh, orange country.
3: I mean, it's like, um, usually with a show, I'll be like in the studio a ton before the deadline. Like just working, working, working. And then you have like a little bit of time when the paintings have to ship to wherever they're going that you don't see them anymore and you kinda just chill for like two days, three days and then you go to the install. Like I'm just saying like in New York, how it would go. Like then I would go install them and like get to see the show like come to life. Like even just seeing the paintings like in the studio versus in the gallery is a way different
2: experience.
3: Um and with this it was kinda like work a ton. Like you don't know if the paintings are good or not. Like you think they're good but you never really like know. And then they just like you know they came and picked them up and they're just like gone now and then it's like i know the show exists and i see the documentation of it i'm really proud of how it looks but it's like it still feels like they just were here one day and then like gone the next like i don't know like what happened to them
0: you know what's that like for you um just being like a young contemporary maker at a time where people are more accustomed to documentation than like going to the exhibition you know people are looking at photos I mean the
3: the documentation part is really important. Um, beyond that, I mean it's it's weird. Like I, I was talking to um I was talking to a friend who was we were talking about like COVID. This was more like start of COVID around like when Art Basel was supposed to happen, so like maybe like May or June, and she was saying like collectors buy from PDFs anyway it doesn't matter like none of this matters like things will probably go exactly the same and that's kind of how this year panned out for me i don't know how it makes me feel like on one hand i'm like i'm happy that like the art market kind of doesn't rely on so much on like you actually being in a place seeing the work to help me make a living but like the reason i do it and like is that why a show is exciting is like for people to see it in person and like especially my paintings like you know I think the documentation is good but they look way better in person and it's kind of like a bummer to me to know that like people aren't going to get to experience all that in person um, so i don't know it's 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 like a double edged sword you know on one hand like it kind of sucks that the way most people relate to art is through instagram now and through websites and like you know reproductions but on the other hand it kind of gives you some kind of stability that like you can still have studio visits and emails and people buy things and all that stuff happening completely um, on the phone and on the computer.
1: Well, it's okay for the Germans to get a wake up call first. <laughs> That's okay. Um, what are you listening to these days?
3: Um, music wise, music or just. I mean, I'm, I'm usually listening to like different rap stuff. Look at like what what's the last like new thing I really fucked with.
2: Mm,
3: I guess the last like new album I really fucked with was the 21 Savage one. Oh, the, uh, uh, the Metro. Yeah, mode. Savage Mode 2. <laughs> that fire, yeah. So I guess I've been listening to that a lot. And um, I don't know, like Jay Z is my favorite shit. Like I listen to Jay Z all the time. Or like, um, I find myself like listening to a lot of the same music over and over unless it's something new that I really fuck with so like I have like a playlist of kind of like R&B shit that I listen to like I feel like every other day or something um, I don't know what else have i been listening to just like standard like shit I always listen to like Drake Future 21, Jay-Z uh, you know mostly rap in that, what know. do you guys listen to?
2: <laughs> I don't even know. Let me check. I have to check. Uh
3: yeah, I have to like go to like Apple Music and be like, yeah, what do I listen to? Honestly, it's a lot of Jay Z, a lot of Drake, and then you know, other mostly rap music and some R&B. Oh, a lot of Dipset also.
0: Word. a Word. Yeah, I've been re-listening to the Tasty album by Kalise mm-hmm. for like the past uh, couple of weeks. I've, I don't know why, I was just like, I was listening to Millionaire, I think that came onto my shuffle, and I was like, let me tap back into Kalise. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I've been listening to the new Soul Glow album, Black Punk Band. Niggas I don't know kid. them. Um, yeah, they're they dope. I mean, I don't want to call them old old because I don't want to be mm-hmm. offensive to niggas who are older than me, but <laughs> <laughs> like they definitely feel like some they they're an older bunch. That's cool. they're older. They're older. Yeah, they're they're an older bunch, and you you feel it. It just I, I love shit when I can just tell that people are having fun. Um yeah. I've been listening to the Jazz is dead. Uh joints that have been coming out like all of the all of the jazzes that joints i'm just gonna leave it at that because i'm gonna start ranting because all of those
1: i'm in to bumping in new chit's the new Chisol record um ultra scores i'm oh, not even ultra scores i said ultra scores ludy i
2: don't
1: know with the black and white cover yeah yeah that joint it sounds like the other joint but it sounds good yeah so why you guys having the big son that's a great yeah. record. Sounds like big Yeah,
3: hey, You got no way deeper shit than me. I just listen to, like, whatever, like, pretty mainstream.
0: No,
1: Chisal right? is dope. Chisal is good. Studio music. We can put
3: you yeah. on. You listen to... Yeah, uh, put me on, please. JPEG Mafia. You know what that is? Yeah, uh, I've never really listened to them. Um, But, uh... Maybe I, should. I, I don't know if that's even them. Dam- maybe I'm thinking of someone else. That's not a group. Who am I thinking of? One guy. Okay. I'm thinking of someone else, then. I've heard that name, so though. I, no, I don't know the music. I'm just, thinking of
1: uh, some L.A. group. From Baltimore, bruh. Nigga from Baltimore.
3: Makes Yo, fuck, crazy the LA shit that was, Uh There's some other mafia from L.A. that's also, like, popular right
0: now. That's um, the thing, though. There's so much music, like, all the fucking time. Like, yes, it's true. I, I feel blessed to be at a time where, like, you can just tap in whatever you want to tap into. Yeah. Like, it's really fucking up, I guess, my presentness to absorb this shit. There's so much shit I listen yeah. to that I'm like, oh. no, it's a lot
3: of music. It's like every Friday, it's like every Friday you a billion albums come out. No, literally. Man on the Moon 3 just dropped, Like, Yeah, right. yeah. I, I haven't is, even listened to it. I like I it, buddy, but either. I haven't listened to oh, it.
1: Oh, I, I, I listened to it. It's fine. How is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I honestly,
0: like, to me, like, it sounds like kide is on some old head shit and he's like i'm still here guys like that's the the vibe but But i guess
3: that's that's bound to happen with everybody you know like i I feel like that's just like inevitable like it's kind of wild to me that drake is like not like old head yet if you think about it like he's been around consistently for like 10-12 years like He should be on that Cudi shit, too, you know?
2: Bro,
1: last week he was Jamaican. This week... Yeah, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's
3: why. That's why. That's that's why. That is why. Because there is no one Drake thing, like... Which is fine. Like, artists
1: definitely jump to different genres, but he just... No, he does it in a way that's way more obvious.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: He's not Stevie Wonder with it. No.
3: Nah,
0: nah. That shit is funny, though, because he'll literally, like, change... Everything, like the vernacular, the aesthetic, mm-hmm. and I'm not even—I I don't even really know because Xavier can tell you I'm very tapped out of what the fuck Drake does. Yeah, I—I—I I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know a lot about a lot of these hip hop niggas for real. He's probably, for real. Yeah.
1: He's probably crazy, but I respect it.
3: I, I'm a Drake fan, but it's like it's acting. Like I guess, like no, I'm like I don't take him like seriously as like I don't know who the fuck he is as a human being. Like I look at the music, as just like. <laughs> It's, like, him and 40 and other producers and probably a lot of writers, like, making a thing all together. It's, like, collaborative. Versus, like, like a dude like Jay-Z, I'd be really bummed if, like, what he raps about isn't, like, true to his real life. Because, like, when I'm listening to him, I'm expecting that, like, the stories are true and what he's saying is real. With Drake, I'm kind of like, I just want to hear, like, a fly song that sounds good, you know?
1: Yeah, I do know. I do yeah, it is,
3: I, I look at him and it's like, he's an actor, and it's like acting.
1: And it's funny, bruh. Like, and trying, it's funny. I've been trying to tell Reggie, bro, Like, you don't even have to actually really, really fuck with it, bruh, but the yeah. shit's funny, bruh.
0: Bro, the and jet like,
1: I love, like, is too much
0: for me, bro. <laughs> what too much? Seven, they gave him a, to... a 747.
3: For free. Oh, yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. With his that's name going <laughs> And I mean, like, sometimes he goes too far, too, with, like, the accents is like yeah, bro, accent you're crazy. bugging. Like the accents crazy. Like, <laughs> where are you from? Like you're like from like Houston, like uh Jamaica, like London, London. like this are like kind of like uh Five and pop smoke type shit Reason It's like damn, like you just like do whatever. Like yeah. that's kind of crazy. But but also like I really love Cameron and, and Dipset like a lot, like that's my shit and like that shit, like, I don't expect, like, a reality from it either. Like, it's, like, I think Cameron's hilarious. Like, the bars are funny, and, like, it's just really entertaining. So, you know, different rap shit I listen to for different reasons.
2: Yeah, definitely. Word.
0: Definitely. Speaking of Dibset, well, not even speaking of Dibset. That was about to be a really tragic segue. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um, your, like, collective brand family in New York, and I wanted to ask you, not even necessarily about what you guys are doing as far as like videos, clothes, and organizing, but if you could just speak to folks a little bit about like setting discipline for yourself, like uh, networking uh, Mm -hmm. with friends, building, like, and still being a professional, because I know that the gallery space is not reality. Like the way Mm -hmm. people talk there, the way people exist there is not the same way niggas exist on the bus. Unless you're yeah. in certain neighborhoods, then it's how. <laughs>
3: well, it's... The, the art world shit is like different. Like most of my friends are skaters and like we like, um, we make skateboard wheels and clothes sometimes and it's called canal and like we make videos, but you know, all the canal dudes, like we all have jobs and like careers now or maybe not all, but like most, um, so it's kind of like it's just like a a side project more than anything at this point. Like I, for a while we tried to really make a living off it, and it's so difficult. Like it's actually really a pain in the ass, and it starts to make skating not fun. And I think we're in a much better place with it now, where it's like we're not economically relying on it, so we can just like make videos and take trips as homies. And there's like enough money generated that like you can go do that and not have it come out of your personal money but like we don't need to pay our rent off it um but most of my friends are skaters and I like it that way because like I don't know all my friends that are only friends with like real art world professionals like I don't know they like lose track of reality or something like it it gets kind of weird um it's, I, I guess i have like different groups of friends for different things like sometimes it's nice to talk to art friends about like just art industry shit and like just art in general um and then sometimes it's nice to like get out of that and talk to some skaters that like maybe don't do a fuck about like painting and shit like that um and not to like pigeonhole like skaters in general but i just mean like friends that aren't specifically in the same industry that i'm in professionally um you know like a lot of what i talk to like my skate friends about is like music skating politics like a lot of my skate friends are like investing in stocks now and shit. like we'll argue about that and like you know it's uh yeah i think like kind of professional relationships in the art world like just uh even if it's like a real friendship it's still like the conversation is a lot more like gossip about other artists in New York and oh, did you see this show that I fucking sucked? Like, you know, that kind of shit. Like, um, so yeah, I think it's good to have kind of multiple groups to talk to about different stuff and not get too stuck in, not get too like myopic about the world.
0: Could you speak a little to like supporting yourself? off just hustling and what like and what that looks like straight out of like undergrad or just straight out yeah. of just being on your own with this shit now
3: um well when i got out of undergrad i got a job right away uh working for an artist um for like a summer um and i moved in with my parents so i was just living with my parents and trying to make money and then you know that job turned into another job into another job like you kind of start to like network within the art world of like maybe your job working for an artist ends but they're like I have a friend who's looking for an assistant I can hook you up with them or you meet another assistant at a job and they're like yo I'm gonna go work for this guy like you should try to work there you know you kind of just start to find jobs in that way but my problem working for artists was always like pay really sucked like I never made any like real money um so for a while canal I you know I run it with a friend of mine like we're like co-partners and for a while we still always had jobs but we could offset the tiny amount of money we are making from a job with like canal money so like that combination together of stuff um was making enough money but it's like your time is so depleted especially I think if you start to turn like what you do for fun into what you make money off, like it can change the relationship with the thing. Um, So now I'm really happy that like the paintings are selling and I can make like a full living just off this and treat canal more. It's like a passion project than like, Oh, we need to make this many t-shirts to make this much money to pay this much rent. You know, I think it can kind of like really water down what you want to make in general um yeah i don't know in terms of hustling like i always found jobs like i don't know like i i got accustomed i guess to the idea like i had it happen enough times working for an artist that they'd just be like yo after next week you're done like they give you like no warning and you have like no money saved up because the money's so low i started to just get in the flow of like always looking for the better opportunity and like you know it, it, that's something kind of weird to me about um some friends I have is like, I feel like they don't think that way. And then when something bad happens, they're like completely like blindsided. And I'm like, I feel like hustling for jobs and money and stuff, you have to kind of look at it like chess. Like you always have to be thinking of like the guy that's paying me now, like what's his money looking like? Like uh, kind of, he just fired somebody. Like I might be next. Like I should start looking for something else, you know, and not like wait till it's too late um but uh yeah also I mean I went to grad school and that like changed everything for me so like uh for me grad school was a good decision because it gave me you basically are like investing in two years that you're just gonna have funded by loans that you're gonna have to pay back later but for that time being you have two years that like okay I have money to live and just make my work in school and do school um and yeah when I was in grad school I didn't treat it like a vacation like I think some people treat it like a vacation and then it's like a really fucking expensive vacation but like if you really work hard in grad school and come out with a lot of work and like the work has developed and like you're really in like a good place with the work I think it can open a lot of doors um so that worked well for me And I guess now the type of hustling I do is just um, I probably work a lot more now than I used to, but I'm working on my own shit, so it doesn't feel like work so much. Um, But, yeah, like, you know, just making sure the show gets done and, like, kind of, like, trying to make sure that each show is better than the next and stay, like, uh, you know, like, hopefully the work I'm making in, like, five years is more interesting than what I'm making now.
1: What's your um relationship to showing online and trying to make money through just the new marketplace?
3: Um, like selling like canal stuff or, or like art. Have you? I mean, the paintings anything? like now like I'm not involved in the sale. Like that side of it doesn't really involve me. Like that's the gallery's job. Um, So, you know, she would know more than me, like, how it varies doing it online. Um, I've just been, I guess, lucky enough, like, like something that does happen to me is like people DM me, like, uh, asking about paintings and stuff, or sometimes the curators ask me about stuff. Um, But usually I just say, like, email Tanya, like she's my gallerist in Berlin, and I just say, like, talk to her. Um, so I think I, you know, more like coming out of grad school, I had to do some of that stuff myself, but I I sold probably like three things myself after grad school before then like, uh, having a show in New York that the space sold the work and then they put me in touch with Tanya and then I did a fair with her and then the show with her. the sales part has been kind of out of my hands for like a year and a half
1: so getting a gallerist was definitely a good
3: yeah 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 I mean I think um, yeah it's like the perfect situation for me like that's what I want is like I just want to make the work and somebody else do all the business side of it but you have to do some of the business side yourself I think like the part that's really important is finding the right gallerist and that's not easy and it's it's always kind of a risk like you know so far things are working well with Tanya but like I know it's working well for me but I know other artists that it it doesn't always work well for you know like I think it's 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 so impossible to say like what's going to be a good situation for what artist because all of our work is so different um the moment can change like it's all there's no like rules to any of it you know i feel lucky right now and like having a gallery is working really well for me right now but i used to work for artists that were in a bad place with their galleries and sometimes even like you have years that you're really successful and everything's going great and then the market changes and interest changes and your relationship with your galleries could become terrible like a i've seen artists that had a terrible relationship with their gallery
2: and you know i guess uh yeah mm. i guess like i feel
3: like right now i i'm i'm not really hustling how i used to um because now i have like opportunities coming up i'm really like lucky right now in that way um When I was younger, I hustled more. Like before grad school, I also applied to a lot of residencies and stuff like that. Um, And I got like two that were good. Um, You know, you have to get used to rejection.
2: Where?
1: At everyone? The two that
3: I got were great, and like it, all that stuff like it opens doors that you never expect.
0: So. Maybe I'll ask this and it, I can get it in before the shit cuts out. But you already spoke before how you want to move past the petite palais stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like this work is so specific to a singular inquiry around why these statues are here. What does like the progression of like the work go for you? Is it just like a spontaneous shit you got a problem with? Are you going to find another museum to be mad at? Are you going to go back to doing some of the portrait work? you were doing before um you worked on this body
3: um i i have an idea in mind of what i want to work on but i don't know i don't really want to like talk about it before it's like in development
2: you know we understand
3: Um, we We, we
1: have to ask though we have to be like
3: "Ah." well no because like i you know part of the problem too is like if there's no like paintings to show like a lot of ideas can sound like dumb and, like, stuff I want to work on, like, you know, I might spend some time making some paintings and be like, actually, this sucks. I don't want anyone to see this. And then, like, <laughs> so I, you know, for a bunch of different reasons. I was like, you know, you have to just wait till, like, two years and see what comes out. Like, right. I mean, in the immediate future, I can say, like, uh, in the spring, I'm going to do, I'm going to be in a group show at the shed and I'm making, um two paintings that are about uh, a friend of mine who died. She was an artist and she got hit by a truck in Brooklyn. And uh, there's like a memorial on the street for her, Um, like a lamppost basically that people covered with like flowers that were kind of in the vein of the sculptures she used to make, like the color scheme of the sculptures she used to make. And I'm just making two paintings um, of that memorial site like over the course of a year and it's like grown a lot uh, and the architecture around it has changed and it's just kind of like an interesting marker of, and like memorial to her of what happened and then um, the shed gives you a budget and I'm just gonna you know I, I talked to her family and we're gonna donate the budget to like a climate change organization because she was heavily involved in like trying to fight climate change also like all her work had to do with climate change um, so you know that's like something i'm working on that's outside the box of like the petite palais stuff and i'm actually really excited about that too because i'm super proud of this work but i just don't want to get um like typecast for like lack of a better word and like i'm excited to get to show some work in new york that is about something totally different yeah
1: condolences um
3: I mean, this happened a while ago. Um, but yeah, super sad. She, You should look her up, Deborah Freelander. She was a really good sculptor.
2: Yeah, my
0: condolences. It sucks whenever anybody's taken too early.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, I mean,
3: it, it is a part of life, though. Um, definitely. But
2: yeah, I always thought.
1: I was just thinking that it's funny that you felt like your mode of just making is so different from... Uh, the other school say that. Say the other mm-hmm. school, um, because I feel like you're so concerned with just like you'll find something and then you'll watch it over time. And I feel yeah. like with the uh, with these the impressionists, the Boston school guys, um, or anyone, just yeah, that's what they know, do. They they kind of sit with something forever, yeah. and then they yeah. So it's
2: yeah, I was just thinking about that's, that. That's
3: that's true. I guess it's just the the form like the way I can understand how to approach the form is is a little different. Like just like literally like making a painting, like I don't I can't imagine making a painting right now without like spending time on the drawing underneath it. Like I don't think like it's like scary to me the idea of like looking at a canvas and being like I'm just going to start without like a sense of where the composition is. Maybe that's something I'll do in the future though. Like there might be a time that this kind of gets stale and that could be a way to kind of like break it and do something new. It's definitely a different type of stress
1: if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, see if you like it,
3: see if you like it. Yeah. But yeah.
0: so at this point in your career, do you like practice observational painting at all? Like, do you paint figures at all anymore? No,
3: yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I don't even sketch right now or anything like, um i'm in my studio a lot and and like i said like i'm lucky right like blessed really right now to have like deadlines so like there's not like really like downtime to be like just fucking around like that's kind of why after um after these two group shows i'm probably gonna if if other opportunities come up unless it's like a really good opportunity i'm probably gonna Try to say no to some stuff so I can have some time in the studio to just experiment a little and start generating new work. Because um, that's the thing that happens is like people like gravitate to this work and then they might like invite you to be part of a show, but like you can kind of tell that what they want you like the theme of the show or something like it'll be related to this kind of like mm-hmm. this. Like, um, you know, I don't want to do that. Like. Um, So really, unless it's like a really good group show, probably for the next, the foreseeable future, what I want to do is uh, just start planning like a a new solo show and then find a place to show that. Word. Well, that
0: kind of actually taps into what I wanted to ask you just about like growing up a skater, finding places, roaming, loitering,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: like What is your relationship to all that shit now? Like, you're older, you have a matured practice, you know, you're showing in different countries and shit. Mm -hmm. Like, what is even your relationship to, like, just moving around the city, you know? You've born and raised. Um, Pretty much the same. Like,
3: (laughs) I mean, I just, I, I spend way less time skating than I used to. So, but, like, I still, like, like, on a day off or something, like, I really like to just, like, ride my bike around and, like, like find new shit i mean that's a lot of like the painting stuff like a lot of stuff i want to make moving forward has to do with like things i saw in the city over the last year maybe and a lot of it's like on my bike like oh on my way somewhere like see something shoot a photo then maybe come back and kind of like revisit it a couple of times and like think about like how all those different things you're seeing feed into like a larger narrative that could be a show um so You know, that aspect is the same. And also, like, (laughs) now I'm kind of, like, sort of looking for studios and, like, thinking about, like, where. Because I have this studio, but it's inconvenient for me, and it's small. So I'm kind of, like, feeling out, like, maybe moving to a bigger studio and trying to figure out, like, do I want to be in the Bronx? Do I want to still be? Right now I'm on, like, the Brooklyn-Queens border. Do I want to be, like, more in Queens where my friends live? Do I want to be in Brooklyn, closer to my apartment? Like,
2: yeah,
3: that kind of stuff. I think also changes your day um, yeah. to day habits. Yeah, That's the work in the long, long
0: game. All right. Um, I'm gonna throw in another quick question, real quick. I hope you won't shoot me, Xavier. But how did you set <laughs> on the tonal palette or the hues for a lot of these? I know that. Mm -hmm. on the painter shit i know that a lot of this shit is just underpainting forms but i'm like yeah it's still aesthetic at play you know
3: yeah i mean a lot of the palette had to do with like the actual petite palette has these like kind of pinkish marble everywhere um so the the earlier paintings of this series were trying to like emulate that and i think um i basically did the white column show and then i did like two small art fairs in between that show and this current one. And those paintings, I felt like I did too many washes and kind of like tried to build up the wash too much. And it kind of took away from the whole thing. I felt like the paintings got worse. And I started to look at the older paintings and I felt like these paintings work best when they're really raw, except for like the one, the bust or whatever, the like part that really matters of the painting is. Mm. So the newer ones, the palette, a lot of it is really just letting the linen color come through. And then like adding a little bit of it to kind of like emulate that like pale marble colors that are in the museum. Um,
2: Word.
3: Yeah. um
1: Reggie, like I was like, oh okay, yeah, yeah, but it's not good. Uh the I wanted to ask about just this work behind you.
3: Oh, this one?
1: Yeah, just, like... Oh,
3: yeah, this is, uh, on my Instagram, there's a photo of it. It's a drawing um, for uh, an online viewing room that just happened with Tanya, like an Art Basel viewing room.
1: It's funny that um, earlier you were saying, like, just talking about the different types of um, first impressions people have with the work, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because like I feel like the this this body is such like the painters like oh this is like yeah (laughs) you know what I mean and how do you manage that like as far as making like you have friends who obviously live in this and you're definitely trying to appeal to to actually make money you have certain sort of people you have to be Mm -hmm. at least considerate of and then there's just regular
3: people, too. Like, do you? I I don't think about it. I just I'm um, making what I'm interested in. That that's really it. And it's just people are gravitating towards it, which is great. Um, and I guess like I'm just trying to keep um, keep being like strict with myself about like whether I think something's actually good work or not you know like keep the quality level high but all the stuff i'm making is really just for me like it's just what i'm interested in um yeah like I, maybe I, I don't know if i understood the no, question completely. Like, completely completely like yes. i'm not, like I'm. i guess i'm saying like i'm not like trying not to make um stuff with like a market or audience in mind right Right. Has it always been that way? Um, I guess. I mean, all this stuff is new, honestly. Like, I've only had, like, a career post-grad school. So that's, like, two years. Like, it's so all pretty, like, recent developments,
1: you know? I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So you don't even... The other stuff was just, like, leading up to this,
2: essentially.
3: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Work. Yeah. Work.
3: And there's also, like, there's some older work that, like... Like there was one set of paintings of a guy from the Central Park Five that I made and it was in a group show a while ago. That's something I want to redo like better. You know, like I think like those weren't great but the idea was interesting and like, it could be a lot better. Like that's something like I want to remake in the future. Um, and you know, like now it will get really like seen. Like at the time, like not many people saw it to begin with. So it's kind of like alright, like, you know I don't need to show that but I do intend to like kind of reproduce that series okay so it's not that the old work is necessarily off on it's not work. like oh that's just trash right. or anything right. it's like it's just um that's not career stuff it's yeah I don't I don't view that as like my professional career
2: Right.
3: Like even like in a talk like I more show that stuff, um, just to give a sense of like what I was making like before like really getting to show, you know, and like hopefully like show like kind of evolution of like a way of thinking.
1: Um, I have one more question before I let you take it, Reggie. Um, earlier you talked about printmaking. Um, I sort of wanted to know your relationship with just medium in general like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: obviously you have a relationship with painting and you're having conversations about the history of painting in the -hmm. work um was it like that specific history that made you use oil for this for these busts and it's like probably predominantly occupied by paintings museum Yeah. yeah um yeah it is okay
3: paintings and paintings and sculptures
1: Okay. Have you done sculptures?
3: Um, I'm playing like sculpture classes, but that's just like not. I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more 2D. Um, but like, you know, formats, I, like mediums I could see working in, like I love printmaking. I really love drawing. Like the only other petite palais stuff I might make is like me and Tanya talked about doing a smaller scale show of drawing uh, next year which sure. is something I'd love to do. Cause like the drawings kind of do something a little different than the paintings, but they, you know, like I, you can't really see it from here. If I was on my phone, I'd like show it more closely, mm-hmm. but basically like the way I've been doing the drawings, is like the paper is gridded out in like a grid format, but then the part where there's the bust, it kind of like, it changes the grid. Like if you can kind of see like that Paper is torn so that this piece of paper isn't part of the grid. Like, I think that's an interesting concept and like an interesting way to like move across mediums with the same ideas happening, but how like different mediums can approach that differently. I mean, Um, it's really
1: interesting looking at it because you can see, I mean, I can see that this graph, I can see the grid, I can see that, I mean, just with the history, like knowing that the grid is out there, I'm like, okay, this is gridded, but wait a minute. There's this, there, it's, it's like it this,
3: like physical way that the grid is right, like, and it's
1: it's kind of cool because it it like also has this compositional effect of another layer of like mm-hmm. oh this yeah. is. This. yeah
3: like, yeah like, no I'm I'm like really into the drawings and like people reacted really well to this drawing too which was cool because it kind of gives like an incentive on the gallery side of like oh maybe we should do like a show of these I'm like yes yeah, please like.
2: Yeah. cuz uh, you like, know
3: drawing is more complicated for a gallery to show because there's framing costs are really expensive mm-hmm. um and drawings just sell for less and they're harder to deal with because paper is so much more fragile like you know painting makes a lot more commercial sense but i love drawings and i want i wanted like an, a, a reason to show some drawing um but yeah the petit stuff like the oil paint is like it's purposeful I feel like if I'm making a painting like I kind of want the paintings to like reference um like European painting like and kind of be like seen as like just as important as like any older European painting so like they're all on linen and they're all painted with oil and like I know how to paint like on a technical level like they definitely show like this guy knows how to paint and is choosing to only paint this one thing that like in this European museum is kind of being like, treated strange, you know? Like, I feel like the that form is an important part of it, of like, or I, not form, like attention to detail, of like, having like, nice linen as the body for it. Um,
1: right,
3: it adds to that conversation.
1: And yeah, exactly. this is more of a technical thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Reggie. Um, mm-hmm. How far are you pushing the drawing, or if, I mean, I know you talked about it, You couldn't imagine just jumping on to I that. mean,
3: that's actually something that changed between earlier, like, earlier stuff in this body of work and now, like, now, like, um, I'm focusing a lot on the drawing part. Like, the drawing is, like, really meticulous and really, like, fully rendered in kind of, like, an architectural style. The earlier paintings, like, I might, like, loosely sketch out what the space around the bust looks like. But now I've been like, I kind of found like, I think these paintings work best when every every single detail is like really drawn in. And then there's like a light wash, like really kind of loosely done over it, but not so much color. And then like the bust is like really, really painted. Like, I think that kind of like three layers really works well. Cause like all the information is there visually but you, it's like really clear what the the important part is, like the part that like I really cared about. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lo- quite a lot of drawing in these. The drawing probably takes the longest amount of time.
0: Zay, I sent you the documentation
3: for the drawing behind them.
0: To phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the drawings are gorgeous. I I really appreciate the amount of like opaqueness internal mm-hmm. range and all your shit yeah they uh, feel very like solid
3: honestly that's like that's something i learned from working for an artist i was making drawings for him and he kind of showed me this like you make the drawing and like before i worked for him i never used different pencil weights he showed me like oh you should use like a variety of pencil weights and that made a huge difference um and with my drawings like i use like um for the dark parts I use like a 8B. Like it's like really soft graphite and you like really push it in, it gets like really dark. And then um what he would do and what I do is like you draw your whole thing in, then spray it with some fixative, and then use graphite powder. Um like rub it into like the really dark parts and it gives it like even like more depth. And like same with like a kneaded eraser for the highlights, you can like pull out um some of the graphite on that so it's just kind of like it feels like if you're making a painting and then you had like a glaze layer on top it's basically like the drawing equivalent to that.
0: that's part. really gnarly because like all your work is like hella formalist like yeah like, yeah really like <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: so and i i love that like uh that relationship to viewership or like somebody that's interested in that realm could look at this and be like, okay, yeah. you're doing this, 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 and that. But at the yeah. same time, they're just really compelling images. And yeah. I don't know, that's that's something to like, sit with. Um, yeah,
3: I, I mean- Oh, I, oh no, no, no. Well, I, I was just gonna say like, yeah, it is really formal, but I also feel like if, if uh, the subject matter isn't compelling, it could easily, Mm. veer into like um, I guess that's the part I'm more concerned with is like keeping the subject matter compelling like I feel like I know how to make a painting and and what I do isn't so much like pushing form like I'm not trying to make like new abstract work that's like pushing the form of what a painting could be right. that's not really my interest so like for my work to stay good the subject matter has to stay compelling
2: right?
3: that's like yeah. the challenge of it yeah. that's
0: yeah that's really how do you like cuz i know that installation specificity has been really important for the petite mm-hmm. at white columns as well as uh, tanya yeah um, moving forward is that like level of installation and specificity around where the paintings are at and what they're associated with is that something that's about i mean just in your work in general
3: like uh i mean probably maybe like I know like I want to make a whole series of work about like stuff I've seen on the street in New York basically and there's a larger idea to that but like I think that work should be shown in New York if it's about New York you know um I haven't like thought through really like what would it be like to show like really New York specific work not in New York like would that translate well or would that be weird and then like also, like, in terms of installation, like, ideas, like, putting in, like, a whole marble floor, like, I thought that was really useful for this because it kind of brings you into, like, the feeling of being at the Petit Palais, but like, a, a fake version of it. And that's, like, a kind of idea I'd like to, like, develop more for other bodies of work, but also some stuff that might just not make sense to add that type of set design to, you know. Um, pairing stuff with video, I think, is a useful element
0: for me. Word. Um, I'm going to go ahead and le- ask my last question, and after that, I'm going to open the floor to you to share any gems you want to give folks before we hop off. I'm curious, what is your studio life like? What's your relationship to your studio? like? How long are you in there? Do you have a specific setup that keeps you organized? Is your studio the fucking kit on the weekend? Like, how do you go about your space? your are making
3: space. Um, my studio is in Maspeth, Queens and it's far from my apartment, which is a pain in the ass. It takes me a while to get here. Um, it's pretty basic. It's just walls and uh, a couch. And like, I have my computer here most of the time. And it's really like not a fun place to be. Like it's, I, I find it kind of helpful for the studio to just be like, there's not really distractions. Like I'm just going to work if I'm here more or less. And then when I'm outside the studio, it's like, you know, I'm not working. Like, um, I mean, I don't know. I would like to move to a studio that's like bigger and more convenient, but I also don't want my studio to be like, like, I wouldn't want to live uh in the same place that i work because like when i've tried to work from home i find it incredibly distracting like i'll like start watching netflix and like get some food or make some food and like go i don't know just be in bed like just mad distractions or like i live in like oh shit i live in a, a popular neighborhood so like it's it's so easy like to be at home and have a friend be like yo i'm at the bar two blocks from you come through and then i'll come through for a bit like it's kind of nice having the studio be like if i'm here i'm here like um but yeah my day-to-day is uh i usually work pretty late and then um bike home or sometimes take an uber home which adds up too much which is why i'm trying to find a more convenient studio
2: all right and
3: then uh I wake up at, like, noon, usually, and, like, if I'm going to the studio that day, I'll, like, go get coffee and then go to the studio, and the whole day is basically just at the studio, and then, you know, I don't know how many days a week I come, it varies, like, if I'm working on a deadline, it's my whole life is a studio, basically, if I'm not working on a deadline, like, uh, I don't know, kind of, like, four days a week, maybe, so,
2: yeah,
1: how long does it take you to finish a painting? Like a month,
3: more or less. Yeah, I mean, that varies too. It's like different paintings take different amount of time and it doesn't really have to do with the size always. Like a lot of it has to do with like what's being depicted. Like, because I feel like the drawing aspect of the painting needs to be really, really done. And some drawings just take longer than others. Like some there's just literally like more information to draw in or something. And that's really what determines how long it takes than
2: anything else.
3: But I would say average about a month.
2: What?
1: I don't have anything else. Do you have anything? Else? <laughs> no.
0: Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for yeah, sharing. no
1: problem. That's Esteban Jefferson to the list. <laughs> didn't get it in the beginning. <laughs> Tap in. We got. He has a beautiful body of work. This. The I don't that. The
0: at on fucking Insta is Esteban Jefferson. Yeah, there's yeah. no
3: reason for you to not know.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, if you guys are ever in New York, hit me up. I mean, yeah. these days, there's not much to do in New York, but yeah, normal life. Right. But, you know. Yeah, normal. Whenever that comes back.
1: Yeah. Whenever
0: that comes back, we can we can go push around the city. You can show us. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, yeah. Well, All right, brother. Thank you for being with us in these times. All right. Times. Thank you, guys. Nice talking to you. Be safe. Stay up. All right.